Welcome back to the podcast. Moving on to Rav Hirsch's next mitzvah, specifically the mezuzah. And I title this, not a talisman. A talisman comes from the word to protect. And there is something very unhealthy about the way people at times can look at the purpose and the value of a mezuzah that can actually fundamentally stand against what its purpose and its point is. But I'll get onto that into it in a minute. We're talking about the mezuzah, and as I learn Rav Hirsch's perspective and I delve more deeply into his way of looking at the world, I constantly try and find new language to express this connection between the physical object and the idea it's trying to give over to us. Because when it comes to symbolism in general, people unfortunately switch off because they think it just means, oh, it's just there to remind you. But a mezuzah, once again, like the ideas we've had previously, there are these divine truths, these foundational primal ideas that the Torah is giving over to us from a Jewish standpoint that stand at the very bedrock of reality, that are being distilled into an object that we interact with on a daily basis. And the purpose is to immerse ourselves in the object, to draw out consciously and unconsciously these these truths that are going to impact our lives and change how we then act in the world. So when it comes to the mezuzah, Rav Hirsch is a pains to warn us. It isn't a talisman. It's not there to protect your home. Or perhaps to say it in a slightly different way. Of course it's there to protect you, but not perhaps as you originally thought. It's not there to create a ward that will protect your family. But it perhaps, we could say, protection in the sense that when you're doing the right thing, you are protected. Its relationship with Tfilin, which we discussed previously, Rav Hirsch says the connection between the two of them is essential. They're written next to each other. Tfilin embody the mind and the arm. When you think and when you act in the world, your duty and your responsibility and your relationship with God should be at the forefront of your mind when you immerse yourself in the world. Mezuzah is that encompassing of your entire being. I can act in the world and I can think in the world, but my home is where everything begins, where the journey begins, where I come home at the end of the day, where the Jewish ecosystem is supposed to be its strongest. It is the home. There is a constant emphasis for Rav Hirsch on the Jewish home. And it's one of those things that if we forget this most fundamental idea that the home is really the truest expression of a Jew, what I mean by that is how your home is is how you are as a Jew. Everything that emerges from the home, we judge its validity based off how the home is. We've been through this idea before, but the danger of looking at the synagogue or your shul or your bet midrash as being where you do your Jewishness, no, it's, it begins in the home. And if we don't have this at the forefront of our minds, so many aspects of Judaism sort of wither away, don't make sense, historically become bizarre if we don't take into account this most fundamental truth. And the mezuzah is giving this over to us. The mezuzah, with the words of Shema and of Hayah, two passages embedded within it, with the word Shakai, Shin Dalad Yud. So let's discuss these three concepts. Your duty and your destiny. And who is the one watching you? That is the three ideas that you come into your home with and the three ideas you leave your home with. The Shema. That is our duty. That is the acceptance of... The commitment to what I'm on is the most noble pursuit I could be on. 
The term Eved Hashem can have a very downcast note to it, but it could also have the most uplifting note to it. That I am aware of what my responsibility in this world is, and it is playing into the most fundamental, the most noble pursuit I can accept. The most, the word we use, I always relate back to Rav Hirsch's, focus on the metaphor of the Ol Malchus the yoke. A yoke is purposeful. There is something that we are on that is achieving the most good, and that is the Shema. When I enter my home and when I exit my home, when I enter and I interact with my family, when I build my family, and when I exit and I enter the world, I have a certain duty. It is calling upon my action. The Vahoya, the passages that relate to my destiny, what comes about as a nation or as an individual, the good or the bad, my duty remains constant. When things are going well for the people, where the people as a whole are living out the will of God, and there is a certain flourishing and beauty and prosperity that we are experiencing, we must be vigilant not to lose that which we're holding on to, not to lose our responsibility being at the forefront of our mind, because in times of prosperity, that's when civilizations die. Civilizations die where they have lose sight of their purpose because of their material wealth and prosperity. They Unfortunately, they care about silly things. They focus on peripheries. They focus on not the fundamental core of what got them there. And that is the danger of prosperity, but also in danger of when things are going badly, when the society is not as I would like, when I am struggling, where I'm under persecution, to remember the commitment to our duty and our responsibility. And this is such a key idea that within Judaism, it's just to relate it, I know this sounds cheesy, but in this week's parasha, in the time where I originally record this, we're talking about the eagle, the eagle hazav, and Rav Hirsch's understanding of an aspect of the problem that manifested with the eagle hazav was that the Jewish people thought it was their responsibility and their duty to change their fate. They needed another Moshe because Moshe did something and we need Moshe to continue doing that and Moshe's not here. Hence, I need something else because who will draw down this Shefa, let's call it? Who will draw down this goodness from God if we don't have a Moshe? No, Rapersh says, Moshe, like you, is part of the nation. He, as the Luchais, were able to be read from both sides. The reading of the Torah, the understanding of your duty was Moshe's role, but your role as well. He wasn't better than you in achieving the will of Hashem. He was like you. He had to understand what the Torah was asking of him and live it out. That was your responsibility, not to affect the celestial worlds. Rav Hirsch calls the Torah not a theology, but an anthropology. It is what we are to do in this world, our duty to complete and accomplish and work towards the most noble goal. Not to change God's mind, not to try and change the celestial worlds. We have a duty. And that is given over in the good times and the bad. And that is what Rav Hirsch sees in both those ideas of the Shema and the Vahoya. But moving it to the word Shakai that we see at the forefront of the mezuzah, the Shakai, the way Rav Hirsch calls it, to a sovereign providence hidden in our world. This idea of the sovereignty of God, but that sovereignty is hidden. It is a commitment that there is something fundamental at work. Do I understand this fundamental force? Do I understand this fundamental force akin to a personality that is interacting with me, that is producing the world? No, of course I don't. But that isn't my role. My role is to live out my duty and my responsibility in this world and develop myself to be that type of person when I go into my home and when I leave my home. And to just really end off with a story, there was a time where I was like, picking my kid up from school and there was a, a two people speaking and they were talking about how they just got a parking ticket and they got a fine from the police for being on their phone while they were driving. 
Now, what do we have here? With that, um, obviously, we all don't, we're not all acting perfectly the whole time. But when you get caught for doing something you shouldn't do, you have two options. You can reflect on, well, was that safe to drive with being on my phone? Was that a safe thing to drive in a way that endangered people, pedestrians, other drivers, and even breaking the law? Not saying that people aren't lax at times. We're all not perfect. But when you're caught, that is a time for reflection, if nothing else. What was the reaction? The reaction was, did you check your mezuzahs? Did you check your mezuzahs? I think this is the very antithesis of developing a Jewish personality. The mezuzah for these people, unfortunately, was just another talisman. It was an object that they put on their wall. They could have had a ward put on by a wizard, or they had a mezuzah. Happened to be they had a mezuzah, and the correct incantations were under question. Meaning, if the correct incantations were in the mezuzah, then they wouldn't have been caught by the police. But the correct... So we'd have to go check your mezuzahs. Rav Hirsch, I don't even know what language he would use to relate to such a concept, but I think it's a good example of how we can misunderstand the purpose of a mezuzah. If we look at it as being a talisman, it's not, you're wrong. And this is an idea that Rav Hirsch constantly re-articulates. Idolatry isn't a problem because you're wrong. That's not the biggest issue. He's not a Maimonidean. It's not about your the, the way your mind is situated in relation to the divine. It's you become a bad person. You become the type of person who manipulates God. Not because you think you're manipulating God, but because you're doing things down here to affect the celestial worlds to give you better things. Thereby, you don't work on the self. You look at it as what I can get from God. Thereby, it's, it's, it, it, you're just another form of capitalism imprinting itself on spirituality. You become the most, unfortunately, the most yuck sort of pagan. It's how can I get things from the divine? And Amazuz is the classical example of this. I need to get things, things aren't going well, the talisman might be out of place, in which case I need to check the talisman. Rather than taking the message of the mezuzah and saying, am I living it out? Am I living it out? I've come to a situation in my life where I, I, my, my lacking and my need for growth is being put for the forefront of my mind. I have been caught. The police have said to me, what you're doing is wrong. You're not being safe. A time of reflection. When I next enter my ho into my home and I kiss the mezuzah, I think to myself, am I living out the duty of the mezuzah? And then I change. I then become an Evedesham. Or I can check to see if the talisman or the wards are in place to see if I can be protected in the future. One encourages growth and your relationship with Hashem. One distances you from Hashem. One makes you, unfortunately, just another pagan. And unfortunately, that distances us from Hashem. Now, obviously, I'm putting this in extreme language, but the Rav Hirsch's message is key here, because something that has the most possibility for good also has the most possibility for danger. So, on that note, to recap our points, we spoke about the importance of the mezuzah, both from the point of view of it being the foundation on the home, the home being where it begins, as well as it being the very thing that trains you to exit into the world and enter into your home. Have a wonderful week and thank you as always for listening.